Pastor Mike, and what a great honor and privilege to be with you. Uh, if you've been here this weekend, Jesus was glorified, and now we're glory-fried. Uh, and <clears throat> uh, I think you leave a meeting like this glory-fried, right? You, you just, every part of your being is, you know, you're even wondering why you're standing or how these guys have voices. I, I think we went for four hours straight of worship, and if you missed last night, I made my rap debut. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't very good, but it, it was... And so now God's releasing healing for the ears of those who heard me sing and rap. But, uh, but it, what an amazing, powerful weekend with Heidi and, and Leif and Jennifer. And, and uh, it's really indescribable for me. I, I do this um, every day of my life in essence. And I uh, travel 250 days a year. I'm probably in 40 different conferences. And uh, I've never experienced what I've experienced uh, this weekend. And um, I fell out in my own altar call yesterday for over an hour. Uh, um, or maybe I took a nap and I just made it look spiritual. But it was, no. <laughs> no, I, I was pinned to the floor. And um, that, that happened one other time in my life. And that's when the Lord told me to move to, to Pensacola. And, um, and so, 21 years ago, that happened. And um, so, so many things happened. I, I wish I could go into, uh, into what happened uh, in me, but it, but it was powerful. If you uh, weren't here, I guess in a couple of weeks, they're going to make the um, recordings available for free on the website. I, I would listen to them. Even if you were here, I would listen to them again. What I find is often you, you hear things, but you don't hear things. You experience things, but you don't ever get the full thing. And so when you go back to listen to it, it's really powerful. Um, I want you to know that this is not a usual time, nor are you a usual church or a usual people. That, that, that this is really a season where the uncommon is becoming common. It's at the same time, I, I believe this, that the season of predictable church is over. Like, if you know, listen, if you know how it's going to end before it starts, just watch it on the stream, right? But, but I feel like there's this new wave after wave after wave after wave of expectancy that God is releasing in the earth. And so uh, it's great to be here with you. I'm going to try to do a miracle. I've actually got to run for a plane in one hour. And, um, and so um, I have one and a half days home this week before I, I head out again. Uh, and so uh, if I catch that, I'm going to be in huge trouble, and you're going to pay the price for it. No, and it's not true. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to sleep on the couch when I get home is what I'm saying. Uh, and so, Jesus, we love you. We lift you up. We magnify you. We declare there is no one like you. There's no one but you. That, Lord, you're high and lifted up in Castle Rock, Colorado. And, Lord, we know that if you would be high and lifted up, you would draw all men unto yourself. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm coming in like a crashing wave. But at the same time, I'm coming in with my hands. And I saw the hands of the Lord reaching down from heaven in this place. And I saw us all individually and even corporately on the potter's wheel. And he was forming and shaping. And he was bringing us to the place where there was no resistance between us and his hands. And I felt like the Lord said that I'm getting ready to not only create new containers, but I'm actually expanding the container I created on the inside of you. And I'm expanding your capacity to hold me. I'm expanding your capacity to contain my goodness and my glory. 
And in the year ahead, I'm moving you into a season where goodness, the goodness of God is being married to the glory of God. That when you see my goodness, my glory will show up. When my glory shows up, my goodness will be revealed. And I'm also doing a work in this place where I'm mirroring the prophetic and healing together. For where there's prophecy, healing will flow. When healing begins to flow, prophetic words will come out. And you'll never be in a, you will never have a void of a word for the moment. For there have been many futuristic words. There have been, been many words that you've heard throughout the years about what I'm about to do in this place and in this region. And now I'm lining them up like dominoes. I'm actually putting them in front of you one. And you're going to begin to see them fall one after the other, after the other, after the other into place. For there is an acceleration of the promises of God. There's an acceleration of the plans of the Lord. And I felt like the Lord said, although I'm not in a hurry there is an urgency for the moment of which you live in. For souls hang in the balance, but also so do nations. And I'm about to open up the doors of nations that some would have said closed, some would have said hard. But I'm going to begin to open up those doors in the years that are ahead. Some of you will go and be a part of what I'm doing. Some of you will send others to do it. Some of you will sow into it. But you're going to begin to reap a harvest. And I felt like the Lord said that I am removing a veil from Iran in the next five years. I'm removing a veil from the places that are the hardest of the hard, the closed of the closed. And I'm about to come through the back door. I'm about to come through the back door. I'm about to come through the back door. For they have tried to shut the church out, but they could not keep God out. And I'm sneaking in the back door and I'm going to cause those sheiks and I'm going to cause imams and I'm going to begin to cause those the ayatollahs to have encounters with me that will cause them shaking in their boots and running to the church. This is a time of awakening where I'm awakening the hearts of nations. And when you see this, do not be callous. When you see this, do, do not be disgruntled. When you see this, do not just seem, do, do not act as if this door was going to be open forever. For the door will open and then it will shut again. So while it's open, enter in. You're going to begin to watch me move. You're going to watch me move through the powers of your prayers. For there have been many have taken up the place of intercession even in this house. And you've prayed and you've not known what you've been praying for. But know this. You're about to see the tipping point of my hand. You're about to see the tipping point of the oil that, that only flows behind closed doors poured out uh, on the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich. And know this, says the Lord, I'm about to release an anointing where many are going to begin to come in the night, where many Nicodemuses are going to begin to come. They will not come on a Sunday morning. They will not come for a conference, but they are about to come and knock on the door in the middle of the night. And I just really feel like right now that there is something happening in this place and I just felt like the Lord said I'm about to invade homes there's about to be a Holy Spirit home invasion he's about to invade homes and he's about to invade hearts and what you thought was resistance the Lord says I'm melting the hearts of the resistant I'm melting the hearts and I said Lord what's happening he said I've just come over the pass and I just felt like the Lord was just coming over the top. And I saw his glory coming down like a cloud, coming down I-25, coming down 470, coming down I-70. And I saw like this healing cloud coming. And I saw the Lord healing the land. And I just felt like the Lord has made this place a place of refuge. I felt like the Lord said, I'm taking you beyond renewal. I'm taking you beyond revival. 
I'm taking you beyond what you've seen and what have been called and identified and defined as outpourings. And I'm going to bring you into the place of the unknown. Where many will say, I don't know what God is doing. He's just doing something. It's the season of Holy Spirit takeovers. Where I'm taking the reins and I'm taking the controls. And you'll watch people rise and you'll watch them fall. But know this, in the days that are ahead, I'm about to do something unprecedented in the earth. Get ready for it. Prepare to accommodate, not for what you've seen, not for what you've heard, not for what you've known in the past, but for what you've never seen, known, or heard before. Get ready to expand to the right, to the left. There's a reason that I put you in a neighborhood. There's a reason that I put you a little bit off the beaten path. There's a reason I've surrounded you by homes. There's a season I didn't just put you off the interstate. Or I put you in the place of families. I put you in the place of community. Do not despise the days of hiddenness. Some things can only be found in hiddenness. I need you to know in this season that I've not hidden things from you. I've hidden things for you. I've hidden things for this hour, for this moment, for this place. And I just believe right now, there's about to be a tremendous outpouring of healing throughout this community. There's going to be manifested miracles in public schools, manifested miracles in office buildings, manifested miracles in the lives of families and mayors. And I just feel like the the mayor of Castle Rock is going to bring an epiphany to the community. I just feel like this is the year of epiphany. Come on, I just saw the Lord blowing the trumpet. Last night, I was hearing a sound that went in the room. There's a few times I just kind of walked back. I walked around. I was looking for something. Like, where did that come from? And this is what I heard the Lord say. I'm sending Gabriel and Michael. I just feel like right now, like the, don't get weirded out by angels. I'm just telling you right now. It's like I, I heard this, the sound of Gabriel's horn. And I heard the sound of thunder coming from the mouth of Michael. What I believe is this, is there is about to be a release of thunderous sound. There's about to be uh, like this, uh, it is a convergence, it's like this, um, uh, like this parachute coming over the church that's encapsulating the sound. I feel like it's authority and worship, worship and authority. I said it last night, but I feel to say it again, every move, there's a sound before every move of God. You're about to hear supernatural sounds. I believe next week with Jake, a sound's about to be released. The week after, I believe there's about to be a sound among the men. And I just feel like the Lord has, has marked the month of February for this house. I feel like the Lord's about to bring you into a season of the miraculous like you've never seen, known, heard, or comprehended before. Don't look for what you've seen before. Because I'm about to blow your minds and knock your socks off. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
So I really believe that there is something that the Lord is not just imparting, but he's depositing. I love impartation. We had a lot of it yesterday. But there's something more than an impartation. There is a direct deposit the Lord wants to release to you. He's giving you an all-access pass. He's bringing you into that place of just these direct deposits from heaven. I believe there's a specific assignment for the church in this region this morning at the rock, for those of you maybe from other places, there is the anointing of the forerunner coming upon you. The John the Baptist anointing is being released upon the church. John the Baptist was a forerunner to the first coming. I believe that we are forerunners for the second coming. I believe that many people have stopped talking about it. They've all of those things. But, but, but I really believe right now that Jesus is coming to his church before he's coming for his church. I'm not putting time frames on it. It could be five years, could be 10 years, could be tomorrow, could be tonight. I, I want to live like it. it can happen at any second. At the same time, I want to prepare as if there's, there's, there's many years to come. If you would have asked me a couple of years ago, if, if Jesus would come back in my lifetime, I would just be honest with you and say, I don't think so. The church seems like it's been too divided. There's too many people that haven't heard all of those things. But if you realize how God is accelerating things and how technology has advanced, that actually I was talking to, to Lauren Cunningham from YWAM and he was meeting with, with people from Wycliffe Bible translators and, and others and they got together and they said it's quite possible that in the next three years, quite possible by 2020, 2021, that the gospel, that, that the Bible could be translated into every tribe and tongue. That they could actually reach every people group. And it tells me something. God's accelerating things. It excites me. The statistics are this. And if you're a numbers person, you, you like statistics. But the, statistically, more people are being born again than being born. Thanks for the golf clap. Glad you're excited. Uh, and um, <clears throat> This week... If it goes the way that it's been going, this week, 45,000 more people will be added to the kingdom in mainland China. It's just, it's, it tells me something. There is this push. There is this, this movement towards, towards, towards God that is, uh, is so phenomenal, so amazing. I love it. I, I, I go to some dark places and... I see the Lord do some uh, amazing things. There was this, um, th there was this woman who, who, who came and, uh, to, to one of our meetings in Uganda. And she was, uh, she was the daughter of an imam and a husband of an, uh, and the wife of an imam. And she, um, she had this kind of flesh-eating disease. It was kind of like leprosy, but different. And her, she lost her left ear. Her left ear had fallen off. The, the, the skin and hair was falling off her head. Um, it, it was horrific. And she came one night desperate. We were walking out of a crusade that had about 40,000 people there. And she pressed through. And, and, and she, she, she begged for prayer. And, uh, and, and I just said, do you believe Jesus can heal you? And she said, what choice do I have? Either he heals me or I'm dead. She broke tradition. She broke religious culture. She wrote through those barriers. She removed the, the, the burqa and the veil from her. And you could see just the, all of the oozing and all of those things. And your natural mind says, you know, gloves, please. 
Your natural mind says hand sanitizer, all of those things. But, but when the Holy Spirit just drops, it's like you, you don't care the environment you're in. You know what you're caring is about to change the environment. And, 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 we, and we began to pray for her. And as we began to pray for her, all of a sudden, the ear grew back and the flesh grew back and the hair grew back. And, and, and she went back to her. She went back to her mom husband and said, you can kill me. You can do whatever you want with me. But I met a God who's real. And, and he began to weep. He knew how she was when she left. And he knew how she was when she came back. They went together to her father. Her father converted. And their village of about 5,000 people went from a Muslim village to a Christian village. It went from <clears throat> having an Islamic school to having a Christian school. Just in one moment with, with one miracle. Uh, I was with... Uh, Heidi, a, a few years ago, and this, this woman was blind. They brought her to the meeting, and uh, her, her husband, or I'm sorry, her brother um, w- was healed of deafness, and his wife was healed of blindness. And um, uh, in one night and the next day, they brought um, uh, his sister to uh, where we were on the outreach and for prayer, and we prayed for them, and the, all the team prayed for them, and uh, and, and, and nothing happened with this woman who was completely blind. And it turned out she was the queen of the village. So brother healed. Sister-in-law healed. The queen not healed. We prayed. Harvest school students prayed. Heidi prayed. I prayed. Other people prayed. No, nothing happened. All of a sudden, uh, that night she went home. And she had a dream. And in the dream... Two doves came with olive branches and laid them on her eyes. When she woke up from the dream, she had perfect sight. She, she went to the imam. She went to the imam and she just said, hey, this is what happened to me. And can you explain it? He said, I can't help you. You need to go back to the Christians. <laughs> I, I think what's happening is God is just showing up. Last night, God showed up. Yesterday afternoon, God showed up. And in spite of what we want to do, we, we, we make our plans. And then God wipes those plans and says, I have a better plan. And he, and he just comes in. And I would tell you that I hope that you like change because everything is subject to change. There's one constant. And the constant is that constant change is here to stay. I think there's seven words that will stop every move of God in our life. And simply these words, we have always done it this way. I think we have to realize that as much as I like what we have, as much as I like the people that I'm around, God is also bringing me people that that may not be uh, my cup of tea. I believe the Lord's bringing us into a place of fulfillment. This room is filled with tenacity. This room is filled with people who refuse to quit. We have a cranky lady in our church. I know you don't have them at the rock. Um, she used to be cranky. She's a little less cranky now. She's still a little. And she was just this ornery thing, or, or so we thought. We mistook tenacity for ornery. Here's her story. This lady comes in. <clears throat> It's touched by God. God gives her a word that he's going to save her entire family. She has an abusive husband. 
He's an alcoholic. He's mean-spirited. But the Lord gives her a word that um, he's going to save her husband. He's going to use her. And he just said these words to her. I want you to go to church, and I want you to save him a seat. He's not going to come for 18 years. How'd you like that word? 18 minutes, yes, God. 18 days, weeks, months, maybe I can handle. But 18 years? Every Sunday, every Wednesday night, every conference, sits in the third row, in the second seat, and lets nobody sit in the aisle seat. People tried. <laughs> Visitors would come, and they would try to sit, and she said, you can't sit here, that's my husband's seat. Some of our rascals would sit there just to get a rise out of her. You can't sit there. That's my husband's seat. Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, conference after conference, meeting after meeting, her husband never came and sat in the seat. One Sunday, 18 years later, third song of worship, How Great Is Our God, a couple years ago, her husband came through the back doors and sat next to her, and he's been there every Sunday since. Completely changed, completely transformed, working in, in jail ministry, all, all kinds of things. Because there was a woman who wouldn't let go. This is a season where God is about to release you into a Hebrews 10, 23 anointing. Let us hold fast our confession again to hope. For he who made the promise is faithful. You know what I felt this week? The faithfulness of God. I sat here this morning. We were thinking, thinking about him being a good God in a billion different ways. And I'm thinking, God, you're so amazing. When I'm, I'm bad, you're still good. When I'm faithless, you're still faithful. When I'm mean, you're still kind. When I fail, you, you still have mercy. And I'm telling you right now, the fullness of who he is is about to be put on display. Don't let go. There's a, another woman in our church. She quite the different experience. She was born in Austria and she went to this very prestigious German university where she learned a dead German language that isn't used anymore. It was used during the Prussian Empire among the nobles and the, and, and the royals. And so nobody used it anymore. In fact, in her, that was her major for some reason. And in the majors, it was just her and one other person and that other person dropped out. So it was just her and the professor. She became affluent in it, fluent in it, understood it. <clears throat> Marries a guy out of the US Army. They moved to America. And they move into this house in Gulf Breeze, which is right uh, across Three Mile Bridge into, from Pensacola. And <clears throat> when they move in there, this woman next door says, I want you, the Lord speaks to her, says, I want you to invite her to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. And for 20 years, she's going to tell you no. 
Here's how I think. I'll just wait 20 years and invite her. <laughs> Thank God the neighbor was more spiritual than me. <clears throat> so she does. Every Saturday, <clears throat> every Wednesday, they, she'd invite her to church Sunday and Wednesday. <clears throat> and she'd say no. Sometimes she would say more than no. Like something else no. <laughs> and shut the up no. And, <clears throat> and it was just like 20 years. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? That's 104 rejections a year. Times that by 20. She went, was going through that many rejections. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And about almost 20 years into it, this, this lady, Lori Brown, <clears throat> gets her curiosity up. She just said, I'm going to go once and for all just to shut her up. I'm an atheist, but I'm going to go. She watches Sunday. She leaves at 9, doesn't get back till 1. That's too much time for her. She watches on, on Wednesday. She goes at like 6.30. She's back home by 8.30. I can do two hours. So she goes, and it's just a teaching, like a Bible study night. It's just the pastor, and he's got an acoustic guitar, and he's, he plays before he teaches. And as he's transitioning and putting his guitar down to go to, to speak, Somebody lets out in tongues from the right side of the room. And it's in this high German language that's dead that nobody uses anymore. And Lori understands it. On Lori's side of the room, two rows behind her, the interpretation comes. And it's the exact translation of what was just spoken. And Lori knows that this is a dead language. She knows that very few people and nobody probably in America would know it, especially in Redneck Riviera. <laughs> and it brings Lori to the place of conversion. Her and Curtis ran our benevolent ministry for many years till she went home to be with the Lord. What if you were that neighbor? What if you were the guy that wanted John Osteen to the Lord, that Raised up a son like Joel, preaching to millions every week. What if you were the sawgrass revivalist in North Carolina under a tent and sawdust on the ground, preach your guts out every night, give an invitation and nobody come? And on the fourth night when you prefer to just sweep up the sawdust and take down the tent and move on, you preach your guts out again and one person lifts their hands and it's a Billy Graham. Everybody knows Billy, but very few know the sawdust revivalist. Everybody knows Lakewood and John and Joel, but nobody knows the guy in the movie theater. What if your assignment was to win the one that reaches the multitudes? Every one of us in this room is significant. There's not one insignificant person here 
There's not one uncalled person here. There's not one unchosen person here. I shared this the other day, but some of you weren't here. So, And if you were here, act like you didn't hear it. I had one of the greatest moments of my life last February. I was in Melbourne, Australia. I was teaching in a school of ministry, maybe 35, 40 people. While I'm teaching, 20 minutes into it, I get hit in the chest with a paper airplane. I've taught high school and middle school. I would expect that maybe then. But in Bible college or schools of ministry, you would think of a little bit greater maturity. Everybody's laughing because nobody gave me the memo. There's a young man named Josiah that they call Jojo, 20 years old in the, in the class who has Asperger's disorder. And so he hits me in the chest with the paper airplane. I just keep teaching because if you ignore it, it goes away. <clears throat> and a couple seconds later, he said, hey, Mr. Wagner, aren't you going to read that? I said, what are you talking to? He said, the Lord gave me a word for you and told me to send it airmail. I'm like, Josiah, this really means you write it down and you put it, a stamp on it and they send it across the ocean and it comes to my house. You know, that made perfect sense to Jojo. I got a word. God said, send an airmail. Put it in a paper airplane and hit the teacher in the chest. I read it, man. It's this beautiful prophetic word, this love letter from God to me. I'm living a lot of it out right now. It inconvenienced me. It interrupted me. It disrupted my flow. And I'm thankful for it. I went back to teaching, and a few minutes later, I get interrupted again. Jojo says, Mr. Wagner, other than Jesus Christ, who's the most significant person on the planet? I thought of something deep to say, and the Lord said, tell him he is. I said, Jojo, other than Jesus Christ, you are the most significant person on the planet. And tears strummed down his face as this huge smile came on his face, and his eyes lit up. And it was like you watched the Lord remove every label and every tag and every diagnosis of Asperger's and socially awkward and, and all of those things. And you just watched the Lord disappear. Today, I will tell you, 11 months later, he is 100% healed of Asperger's disorder, 100% off of any autism scale. And it, it had nothing to do with the teacher. It had everything to do with a God who looked into the eyes of a son that everybody said was different. And he turned his different into significant. I'm so glad I'm not in a church with spiritual robots, spiritual clones where we all look alike and act alike and say the same things. And because that diversity brings this unity into the body that is so amazing and far out. brought me to this place of praying this prayer. I pray it every day. I, I prayed it this morning. God, come interrupt and disrupt 
so that you can instruct. Come disrupt my day. Come interrupt my message. Because unless you show up anyway, I've got nothing to say. God is about to move you into a season of divine interruptions. Some of you don't like that word. So let me say it twice. God is about to move you into a season of divine interruptions. And you may not like it, but when it happens, you remember this word. Because I believe with all my heart, God is going to come and interrupt the ordinary course of nature, the ordinary course of your day to release a miracle like you've never seen before. I believe the Lord's about to move you into a season of divine disruptions. He did it this morning. Order of service right out the window. I don't reckon that Mike uses one very often anyway. How many of us came in this morning and said, God, what are you in the mood for? Some of us probably came in, if you're like me, I'm ministering, so Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? But how many of us actually said, Lord, what are you expecting? What's your expectation this morning? What are you believing for, God? Whose life do you want to change? Whose life do you want to identify? What, what spotlight do you want to put on someone? And interruptions and disruptions are, going to, are actually going to usher you into the miraculous. There's a forerunner coming on you. That forerunner anointing will not make you popular, but it will probably make you a target. Because forerunners don't say what's been said. They actually begin to declare a message that has never been heard. It's a cadent call. It's this voice that cries out in the wilderness that calls people into something they've never seen, known, or heard before. And there is this forerunner anointing. Listen, somebody has to go first, so it might as well be us. When the anointing of being a voice crying out in the wilderness of Castle Rock and Denver and Colorado, it's coming upon you this morning. The voice of being a, the, the anointing of being a voice uh, in the wilderness, even in your family, is coming upon you this morning. Come on, I, I believe it. I, I like that message. I like John's message. Not a very popular one these days, because it begins with repent. We've made repentance such a negative thing, haven't we? It's like, repent, what do do you mean? Repentance just really means I I just turn around. And God's about to bring you into a turnaround moment. It's leaving the past behind. It's going into what you haven't seen and known before. It's it's beyond forgiveness. It's actually the byproduct of forgiveness. It's actually that thing that brings us into change and reformation and and transformation. And he begins with repent, turn, turn your hearts, turn your minds, turn, you know, it doesn't just really speak to behavior. It says, hey, wake up who you are. Wake up. 
Understand you're in the image of the holy, uh, created in the image of a holy God. Act like it, live like it, believe like it. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not coming, but it's here. How many know he, he said the king, he didn't say the kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. He went forth preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If something's at hand, it means you can actually reach up and pull it down. It's within my grips. It's within my reach this morning. It's within my hands this morning. And I'm telling you right now, there's about to be a kingdom invasion. There's about to be a kingdom outpouring. There's about to be a move of the Spirit of God. I'm telling you right now that the Lord is about to baptize us in His love and He's about to release a sound of His voice upon us like never before. Every one of us are called to prophesy. Every one of us is a prophetic voice that God is raising up. How do I know? Because Jesus the prophet lives on the inside of each one of us. You were created by His voice. With his, you were created by His voice to hear His voice so that you could become His voice. It means this, that, that there's no separation. In the Old Testament, you needed a prophet to tell you what God was saying. But in the New Testament, there is no middleman. That God just comes and he, and he speaks to you face to face like a man speaks to his friend. A couple of weeks ago, I was taking my son Josh. Uh, he's 12, and we, we, we were going to Starbucks. He, he likes to go on these Starbucks dates that cost me five bucks. And, and, and as we're going, it's... He's my talker. He's the one, if you heard me the other day, was born dead with a, the, the cord wrapped around his neck and didn't breathe for five minutes and God breathed life into him. and Just powerful. He's always talking. And we live about 12 minutes from Starbucks or, or St. Arbucks if you want to make it spiritual. Um, <laughs> and about six minutes into the ride, he's not saying anything. He's just smiling, looking at me. And we get to the red light halfway there. I, I just say, son, everything all right? He's like, oh, dad, it's great. I'm like, how come you're not talking? He's like, oh, dad, sometimes I just like being with you. And even when you're not saying anything, I can just hear your heart. I thought, man, what a picture of prophecy. It's just spending time with God, leaning our ears to his heart, that, eyes, that, that Psalm 40 anointing, incline your ear. It's taking your ear and putting it in the heart of God, hearing what his heart is saying. We get to Starbucks, we just continue the conversation. I said, God, you know, has the Lord been speaking to you anything, Sonny? So, oh yeah, he talks to me a lot. And I said, how does it work for you? He said, well, I just, I just talk to God like I talk to you. He said, you'd be a really bad dad if I spoke to you and you didn't speak back. You'd be a really bad dad if I asked you a question and you didn't give me the answer. I talk to God, he talks back. I ask him a question, he gives me the answer. That's how it works for me. And I pray for the revelation and the innocence of a 12-year-old boy to drop in the room today. That we uncomplicate what we've complicated. Because Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he speaks it first to his servants or his friends, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? It tells me this, that there's certain things that haven't happened yet because you haven't spoken them yet. And God's about to put his word in your mouth. One of my heroes of faith is Reinhard Bunke. 
When Reinhardt was a young man, he was a part of a, a conference, and they had a guest speaker in from America. I guess there was thousands of pastors and leaders from all over Africa and, and Europe there, and Reinhardt was just starting out. And uh, the, the keynote speaker, the American, spoke one night and disappeared. He, he, didn't, he didn't tell anybody he was leaving. And so the committee gets together who can speak, and somebody nominates Reinhardt, and they put him up, and he says yes, but he's, he's in fear and trembling. These guys have been in ministry longer than him, all of that. He, he's in his room, and he, he's just talking to the Lord. He said, Lord, what do I have to say that these men would listen to me? And the Lord said, son, my word in your mouth has the same power and authority as my word in my mouth. God's word in your mouth has the same power and authority as God's word in his mouth. Selah. Think about it. When you say what God is saying, that same authority, that same power comes down, doesn't it? The power to create. The, power, why? the creator's in you. The, 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 the voice of Jesus, the prophet's on the inside of you. Come on, I, I've shared it throughout the weekend. I, I'm, the only reason I'm alive is because of a prophetic word. I shouldn't be here. I should be in the grave somewhere. But, but there was a word over my life at six years old that I'd go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever I go, lives would be touched and changed. And although I ran from it, and even though I tried to, to out-drink it and out-drug it and, and tried to commit suicide ten times and, and all of the things that I tried to do to get God to change his mind and to run from the call of God on my life, he, he's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he would change his mind. If he said it, he will do it, and he will pursue you. He will pursue you. He will pursue. Listen, I believe God's releasing the hounds of heaven to pursue you. Until you step into the promise, into the word, into, into the, the revelation of what he's called you to do and to be. Come on, you were created by his voice, to hear his voice, to be his voice. How do I know? Jesus said in John 10, my sheep know my voice. How many know we're not just sheep, we're kids? When I call home, even if my kids don't look at the caller ID and they hear my voice, they don't say, who is this? They know my voice. Because while they're still in my wife's womb, I would pray over them, prophesy over them, and sing over them. And that's why some of them need theophostics and sozo. But, but I, I would declare the word of the Lord. They, they came out. And, the, and when they were born, as soon as I'd speak, you'd watch their heads try to find my voice. It wasn't unfamiliar. Was the voice that they heard when they were formed. Proverbs 18 and 21 says that the power of death and life are in the tongue. I believe it's true whether we open our mouth or not. Listen, prophecy is not about future and fortune. It's about, not about your new red Mercedes and your big house on the hill. It's not about your million dollar business. It's not about the things that God wants to prosper you. And I thank God for those words and I believe he can speak them. But really prophecy is about, it's about life and death. It's about destiny and future and it's about hope see God sees something in you you, you can't see in yourself One of the most powerful prophetic moments I had a, a couple of years I was in a drug rehab in North Carolina I was just a visiting minister that day I wasn't uh, impatient <laughs> and I'm invited in and I get there a little early and these guys are um 
Some of them want to be there, some of them don't. Some have hit rock bottom, some are going through the motion, some are court ordered, some their wife or their mom gave them an ultimatum, either you go into rehab or you know, we're giving you the boot and so they're there. Some are, uh, you know, they, they, they can speak Christianese and so you ask a guy, how you doing? He's, I'm blessed, highly favored of the Lord. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's why you're in here. And, and, and there's some guys that just tell you the truth and they tell you where to go and how to get there. There was a guy like that. I sat across from him at dinner before the meeting, and I tried to talk to him, and he just cussed me out, told me he didn't like me, didn't want to hear anything I had to say, and the only reason he was coming was because they were making him go. I can deal with that because it's honest. So I just shared my story that night, and guys just like this, and I like it because it's honest and it's real. And all of a sudden, I got to the point where I said, failure is not final, where there's a father. And he began to weep. As soon as I gave the invitation for salvation, he just, he came running. He actually jumped over three rows. Like he just, he didn't go to the aisle. He just jumped over rows. And he prays the prayer and I start ministering to him and speaking into his life. And he just starts screaming out. He knows me. He knows me. He knows me. He knows me. God knows me. He knows me. If that would have been the end of my ministry in life, it would have been worth it. It's the real purpose of prophecy. It's about you knowing God more and knowing that he knows you. I go into story after story. But here's where I have to end. There's an Ezekiel anointing dropping upon you today. There's an Ezekiel anointing dropping on you today. Let me read it. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. I thought the Holy Spirit only took me to pleasant pastures and conferences in the rock. The Holy Spirit led me in the, uh, to the valley of dry bones, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered like most Christians, O oh Lord, only you know. I added that like most Christians part. <laughs> then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. And put breath in you, and you shall live, and they shall know, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. If you literally translate the valley of dry bones, it means this, the place of lowest esteem. If you literally translate, so I did as I was commanded, it means this, I did my job. So I did as I was commanded. I did my job. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a shaking and a rattling. And the bones came together bone to bone. 
I'm prophesying to you today that there's about to be a shaking and a rattling in Castle Rock, a shaking and a rattling in Colorado, a shaking and a rattling in this region, a shaking and a rattling in America where God's about to pull people out of the place of lowest esteem, out of mental illness, out of addiction, out of brokenness, out of new age, out of the demonic, out of satanic stuff, out of the darkest places and those dry bones that everybody passed by and walked over and ignored and all of those things. There's about to be a shaking and a rattling. There, there is an anointing right now Dropping and there's a shaking and a rattling for your prodigal son. A shaking and a rattling for your prodigal daughter. A shaking and a rattling because of what you just heard earlier read out of Ephesians 3. You know what I love about? I love everything she read. But the part that strikes me is he's not just the king of glory. He reveals himself as the father of glory. There's a shaking and a rattling. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had come upon them, but there was no breath in them. You can have the greatest building, the greatest program, the greatest lights, the greatest music, greatest programs, greatest structures, and if there's no breath, it's still dead. Aren't you glad you're part of a church that's a church that has breath? Then he said to me, prophesy to the to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds of breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath of God came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. You, you may see in your public schools dry bones, but I see an army. You may see all over Colorado dry bones, but I see an army. There, there's an army rising up. There's an army. They were once slain. They were once the down and outers. They were once the, the up and outers. They were once those that people just walked over and, and trampled. But, but God is raising them up in this season like never before. A couple of years ago, I was again in Australia. I preached seven times on a Sunday. Started at seven in the morning. At 8.30 at night, I finally finished my last service. and I was flying out the next morning. I had to go to the airport around 4, 4.30. And at 8.30, as I finished the last service, they said, hey, do you mind going up and just exhorting, just, just sharing just a couple minutes? We know you're tired. We know you got to go. But there's um, some young people in upstairs. Can you go talk to them? And I said, okay. And went up the stairs and, no joke, 120 people in something called the upper room. I exhorted, I shared for a few minutes, prayed for a few people, was getting ready to leave, and the Lord said, you can't leave till you give every person in the room a word. In my mind, I rationalized it like this, righteousness, peace, joy, <laughs> healing, repent. Uh, that wasn't prophetic, Mike, it was just... It just Cards just fell on you, sorry. And, and so I pray for the first person. Three minutes goes by. Next person, five minutes goes by. It's now 3.30 in the morning. I've still got to go pack and drive to the airport. And there's a girl in a hoodie. The hoodie's up over her head. 
I grab her hands and I start praying. And the Lord said, tell her I want to heal her scars. And I said, baby girl, God wants to heal the scars in your heart. I interpreted it wrong. And the Lord said, no, that's not what I said. Tell her I want to heal her scars. I said, baby, the Lord wants to heal your scars. And all of a sudden she let out the scream. My arms are on fire. My arms are on fire. My arms are on fire. And she rolls up her jumper and we watched as literally a thousand cuts disappeared where she had been a cutter. Prayed for the next guy and he's ticked off because he tried going outside getting high 12 times in the meeting. And he couldn't leave because this was his girlfriend and she wouldn't leave. And prayed for him. He gives his life to the Lord. All of his track marks from heroin shooting it disappeared. Prayed for the next guy. He gives his life to the Lord. And I realize sometimes we get in a hurry. But the prophetic will cause us, the anointing will cause us, being people of revival will cause us to stretch ourselves out again. And I'm just telling you right now, we live in a time where there is so much low esteem, there's so much pressure on our kids, they're cutting, they're starving each other, they're starving themselves, they're filled with anxiety, all of those things. And we have a God and we have this word and we have this authority and we have this anointing and we've had this visitation of the Lord that we've become habitations of God over the weekend and while the world waits. And I'm telling you right now, there's awakening, there's a shaking, there's a rattling. Sometimes people get around me and they say, Wagner, you are, you're too intense. I just feel the urgency of the moment. I could tell you my successes all day, but I'll choose to tell you my worst failure and then I'll close. 2001, I was a prophetic prodigy in a sense. You know, prophesied everything. I'd prophesy the paint off walls. I'd line up 100 people. I'd just... I would go, I, I thought I was a machine. I was going home to Chicago where I grew up on a, for a family reunion and as I was flying there, the Lord said, you think you're going for one thing, but really I'm sending you with a word for your brother-in-law. And the word didn't match what I knew about him. I mean, he was vice president of an electric company. He wore Armani suits, drove a Mercedes, always had hundreds in his pocket. He was, you know, other than maybe drinking a, a little too many Miller Lights or something, he was a, a great guy. I loved my sister, loved my nieces and he was living the American dream. And so when the Lord gave me a word about holes in his souls and father wounds and being suicidal and secret addictions and, and acting like he was rich, but he was really going bankrupt because of a gambling thing, it, it didn't make sense to me because it didn't go on what I, I saw and what I knew. Remember the story of Samuel and David? Samuel shows up at David's house. And he, he looks at his brothers and or says, there's another. And he looks at David and he's like, just a shepherd. Lord says, man looks on the outside, but I look at the heart. And I believe what God is raising up at the rock is not just accurate prophets, but heart prophets. Those who don't just know the content, but know the heart behind what God is saying. That speak from the heart to the heart. To speak from the heart of God to the hearts of people. My brother-in-law, Tom, picked me up and we talked about baseball and football, Cubs, Bears, Bulls, and Blackhawks. 
drove to my mother's house and all along my, the Lord was saying, tell him what I said, tell him what I said. And I couldn't, it was inconvenient. It was my brother-in-law, it wasn't some church person. It wasn't somebody that I wouldn't see ever again. It was it's family. Four more times I'd see him that weekend. And we'd talk about all the things that didn't matter in eternity. He drove me to the airport Tuesday morning and I grabbed my bag, I hugged him. I walked inside and prayed the chicken prayer. Lord, send somebody else. And he said, you were that somebody else. A month later, 9-11 happened. God really promoted, kicked me off in ministry. October, I was getting ready to be ordained. The night before my ordination, I received a phone call from my sister. I said, David, I don't know how to tell you, but after dinner tonight, Tom went into his car and he blew his brains out and he's, he's dead. And I need you to come home. I need you to come do the funeral. And my first assignment after ordination was to do the funeral of my brother-in-law, who I know probably busted the gates of hell wide open. If you want to know why I'm intense, if you want to know why I'm preaching this this morning, because every day I wake up with that intensity. I wake up with that urgency that I don't want anybody else lost on my watch. It's just the truth. I flew to Chicago and I did then what I did I'm doing today. I told the whole truth. I watched 13 people give their life to the Lord, including his bookie and his cocaine dealer and his buddies that were shooting him up and all kinds of stuff that nobody knew about. I'd rather miss it with the right heart than never say it because I was afraid. So I close. I woke up this morning and I've shared this in places before, but I woke up and I heard a sound. The sound of a ringing bell. A couple hundred years ago in Europe, there was a, um, a plague, a rubonic plague, black plague hit Europe. People were dying, hundreds of thousands of people. More people were dying than they had caskets and so they would often put a person in a casket, do the funeral, take the person out, put another person in. What they were finding was that the, some of the caskets had scratch marks on the top and they didn't have the technology we had and no EKGs, just it was pulse and maybe a stethoscope if there was a good doctor around. And they found that they were burying people alive. So they began to tie strings on their finger. It's where we get the term dead ringer. They would place men in the graveyard and that's where you get the term graveyard shift. And they had an assignment to listen to the bell. When they heard the bell, they would run. They would dig as fast as they can to pull people out. That's where we get the term grave digger. I woke up this morning And I heard the Lord say that he's releasing the anointing of the grave digger upon the rock. He's anointing you to listen for the sound of those crying out, God, if you're real, speak to me. He's anointing you to hear the sound of the girl that was a cutter. Other ones struffling with anorexia or bulimia the guy that struggles with depression or 
porn or self-mutilation and hatred and addiction. And all over Castle Rock, there's dead ringers. All over Denver, all over Colorado, there's these dead ringers. And they're crying out. Some don't have a voice. They're just crying out on the inside. God, if you're real, speak to me. God, if you're real, deliver me. God, if you're real, touch me. God, if you're real, heal me. There's some people in the room today. You can identify with my story. You can identify with depression and mental illness and addiction. You can can identify with desperation and hopelessness. Maybe you're here and you got the church face on and the church clothes on. Say, Dave, I'm I'm really one of those. I'm really a a dead ringer. I came in. I'm broken today. I don't want to leave the same. I feel like I'm dying on the inside today. I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. I'm broken. I'm addicted. I, I need somebody to dig me out. I believe the Lord kept me over for Sunday morning to be your grave digger. Dig you out. I'm, I'm almost out of time. I, I got to run and catch a plane. But if you're here this morning, you say, Dave, that's me. I'm, I feel like a dead ringer. I, I don't think anybody hears me. I just have a little strength left in me and I'm just ringing this little bell. I'm just whispering, God, if you're real, speak to me. God, if you can deliver me, deliver me. God, I don't want to live like this anymore. If I'm talking to you, you're tormented, you, you're traumatized, you, you're struggling with things this morning. I'm here to dig you out. If I'm talking to you, I want you to get out of your seat, come to the front of this place. I believe depression's gonna leave. I, I believe right now suicidal thoughts are gonna leave. I, I believe that, that the anorexia and bulimia are gonna leave. I believe hopelessness is gonna lift. I, if I'm talking to you this morning, just come down here real quick, real quick. Come on, I, I, I hear the sound, I, I hear you. I hear you, honey. I hear you, son. I I hear you, daughter. I I hear you this morning. And you are not alone. We're not going to leave you in the grave somewhere. We're not going to leave you buried alive. We're going to be a church that digs you out. We're going to be a people who digs you out. There's an anointing on the rock. There's an anointing on this region to be a house of refuge, a people of refuge for the lost, the broken, the hurting, the dying, the lost, the unwanted, the orphan. And these have come, but if you'll respond and say, I'm going to be a grave digger. Lord, anoint my ears to hear the sound of the slightest bell. Or don't let me pass somebody by in the grocery store. Don't let me pass somebody by as they hold their sign on I-25. Don't let me pass somebody by in the gas station. Don't let me pass the, by the person that sits next to me at school and acts like they have it all together. But I know in my heart they're falling apart. If you want this anointing, this Ezekiel anointing to prophesy to dry bones, to, to, to raise the dead, to cause bone, to come back to bone, a shaking and a rattling. If you want this shaking and rattling anointing in your, in your seat and you say, Dave, Dave, I want this. I, I want to see the anointing of the forerunner. I want to be... Like Ezekiel, I want to be a voice crying out, God, Holy Spirit, you can take me to the valley of dry bones if you want. Don't, I don't just need to go to pleasant places. I'll go where you want, God. It, 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 Lord, as we were just singing, so will I. If the stars obey you, if creation obeys you, if the creatures obey you, so will I, Lord. If you're saying, I want that anointing, I, I, I want to be, be the grave digger. I want to be on the graveyard shift. I, I want to listen for the sound of the bell. 
I just want you to stand to your feet. I'm telling you, there's an anointing dropping in the room. Anointing, there's a deposit of it coming upon you. I, I wish I had all day, but I, I believe right now in this moment, there is a sound coming. I, I hear you, honey. I hear you, mama. I hear you, son. I, I hear you. You're not gonna be left alone. And in Jesus' name, I break off every label. I break off every stigma. I, I break off, just like Josiah, I, I break off the label that life and people put upon you right now. And in the name of Jesus, I release healing right now. Right now, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. Holy Spirit, right now, I break. Lord, what you did for me, you're no respecter of persons. That's why I share my testimony openly. What you did for me, do for them. What you did for me, do for them. Holy Spirit, right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, healing, healing. Freedom, Lord. Let 2018 be the year of freedom. Freedom from and freedom to. Freedom to be. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. Come on, church. If you're standing, you say, I want that anointing. It's your time to pray. Come on, right now. I want to hear the church pray. Pray as if this were your son, your daughter, standing up here today. Pray like it was your mama. Pray like it was your best friend. Holy Spirit, right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, healing, Lord. Healing, Lord. Give me your hand, honey. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, what I pray, all that I carry and more, everything you did for me, do for her. I just felt to put my forehead on your head. And even as he gave me the mind of Christ, I release it to you right now. There's a new outlook. There's a new perspective. There's new realms of revelation coming on you right now. But I break off. Everything that's been against her, no weapon formed against her will prosper. In Jesus' name, freedom, healing right now. Be free right now. Every place of torment, be healed right now. In Jesus' name. Prayer team, please follow up. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Be healed right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on right now. I declare 2018 is the year of your turnaround. I declare right now 2018 is the year of your turnaround. Every depression, every oppression, let it fall off right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, new beginnings. New beginnings. Lord, it's the year of the open door for the overcomers. New beginnings. New beginnings. Healing, Lord. Healing is the children's bread. We eat it, Lord, right now. We partake of it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, you're beautiful, honey. You're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. I'll say it until you believe it. You're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. Come on, right now, you're his masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. It's a new season right now. New season right now. I saw the Lord putting his foot down saying, you don't have to take it anymore. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, Susan. Now is the time. Now is the appointed time in the acceptable year. In Jesus' name. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord. Thanks for this amazing son. They're going to use him like James and John, the best friends of Jesus. He's going to be a son of thunder, Lord. 
But I thank you right now, Lord, for the prophetic voice, the anointing of the deliverer in him. Just one word out of his mouth is going to change and shift things. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm so honored and glad I got to come to meet you. When you stopped me in the hallway on my way in yesterday, it launched me into the encounter I had yesterday. You are so amazing. You are so loved. You are such a healer. And right now, every anxiety is lifting off of you. No more sleepless nights. No more panic attacks. No more fear. The enemy is so afraid of you, honey. He is so afraid of you. The same way you were holding those babies today, it's the way God's holding you. You're going to have the view from his shoulders. The view from his shoulders. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're the best. You're the best. Every fear of travel is over. Fear of going, fear of getting stuck. It's over today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, right now, fill this sun to overflowing, overflowing laughter, overflowing joy overflowing peace deep relationships deep friendships brotherhoods Lord and I ask for a band of brothers around his life Lord tonight you would touch his mind you'd heal him to the very core the very depth of who he is in Jesus name we're just going to stay in, in this place of, of just prayer up front uh, you're welcome just to just to continue to pray uh, but I'm also just going to release you uh, you're free to for, free to go as well. But if you would just be uh, just in honoring what's happening here, just be quiet in the sanctuary. Bless you and have an awesome week with Him. Let's be grave diggers. Let's go find those in Jesus' name. Have a great week. <laughs>